been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to The God Whispers, the farm edition. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. What are you doing to that sheep? <laughs> Leave that sheep alone. Who let the sheep in? <laughs> Who let the sheep out? Who let the dogs out? I don't know. Anyway. Welcome to The God Whispers, oh. another hour of disturbing yet compelling Christian radio. Absolutely. Is that compelling it's yet disturbing or <laughs> disturbing yet compelling? And I'm getting I'm still getting the busy signal from the, the Skype, Skype line has that? lit up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll wow. wait. Uh, there are many people what, on what hold, was, I'm sure, right was, now. And what was with the sheep? <laughs> I, it was there. I couldn't say no. <laughs> I had the sheep button. The Psalm 23 episode right here. (laughs) (laughs) The barnyard edition. (laughs) This this is the country edition of the God Whispers. (laughs) Sheep and roosters, what's next? Uh, (laughs) I had had that steak. (laughs) Manly Doctors 13, area code 6... Two six five nine three seventy seven thirteen. Manly Doctors thirteen. If you want to call us on Skype, I will assume that by the time that we get this episode up, we're sorry, the number you have dialed, it will be in, in operation time. again. As Apparently not yet. <laughs> bills, you know, back up. And Swirl is a tightwad, so he never pays for anything. I've for this never program. paid for anything in my life. I run the swag store, though. All the uh, equipment comes from me, and all the buy swag. Yeah, Swirl just thinks that his his advanced degree beyond mine is is payment <laughs> that, enough. That's right. Just yeah. having me. Here. You got the STM. I only got the MDev. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Just think if we actually had our doctorates, then we could actually be the manly doctors. Well, instead we're just the manly masters. <laughs> I don't particularly care for that. That sounds a little questionable. Po- popular in San Francisco. Yes. <laughs> On the web godwhispers.org or .com and by email godwhispers at gmail.com. But uh, leave your comments and whatnot on the website uh, and let everybody have joy of your commentary. <laughs> there you go. Excuse me. I, I apologize for that. Uh-oh. <laughs> this, is, this is turning into like an episode of nature. <laughs> Good grief. This is just not right. Man. And I want to know who let the dinosaur in. Speaking of, uh, we're going to be organizing the the God Whispers barbecue edition from our backyard. This will, yes, be, this will be the special foodie the gourmet Swirla edition. backyard, and I'll let him deal with the headaches of that are involved with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but my my thought is actually to invite some uh, some fellow podcasters and and other other people who are. <laughs> it's a circus here. Other, other people otherwise involved in uh, compelling and disturbing Christian radio. Um, our good friend Andrew Deloach of Take the Stand. Uh, hopefully he'll be there. 
What is that? I'm not sure. <laughs> Was that the brontosaurus? That is a brontosaurus whale right there. How, how do they know? Because. Play that again. Because they watched the Flintstones. That's how they know. Amazing. <laughs> so I'm thinking we could have a kind of a rich third microphone. Invite all sorts of third microphone type people onto, uh, onto our, our property. And we'll fire up the barbecue. And it'll be the gourmet edition of the God Whispers Barbecue Backyard. Maybe we'll have to invite Wolf Mueller and Gagline to come down for this. <laughs> That's kind of a long haul for those haul, boys. But they'd be invited. We could, we could, we could uh, call them it's up. It's nice to be invited, even if you can't go. Good point. It's always nice Good to point. be invited. Well, well, you know, and maybe if anybody's local, we'll uh, we'll put out the date. And yeah, we'll if anybody's local, they're free to drop in. Yeah, well, we'll get uh, maybe Hodel and Rody to come up and... They, That'd be good. They preach on Pirate Christian Radio. They're good. They're they're good third microphone material. I don't know. I want to we'll I want to get I want to get that uh, that Jonathan Fisk guy the uh, the 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 visual he's, he's, visual ADD guy. He's on. now my favorite pastor in the under eighteen year old crowd. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. he, he, we I just keep putting that wait. on Facebook. I keep notching it down. Yeah. He's my he's my favorite pastor in the under thirty or under forty crowd. Then it was under thirty. Now, now he's under eighteen. Now he's under eighteen. Yeah, we're we're waiting for him to start shaving. You know that would be <laughs> man. That guy. That guy. That's a high energy ten minutes that he produces. He puts a lot of work into that production. I, you can you tell. know he's got. To, I asked him. I, I was wondering if he used iMovie. But he's he's on a PC actually, huh. and uh, he named some kind of software that he uses to uh, produce. But man, that's a lot of work. Well, if it's not a Macintosh, it's just make believe anyway. Well, I think he covets a Mac. Really? If he's sane, he would. I mean, he could probably cut his production time in half using iMovie or something. Maybe we'll uh, take up an offering to see if we can get Fisk a new. Well, you're having a luau. I need a new computer. You're having a luau. Why don't you include him in on the large? Yeah, we already cut the USO in on that. <laughs> You know, how's got, that? How's that luau going? It's, it's a lot of work planning this thing, but I've got I I've got a great great staff working on it, you have a, which is great. You have a great staff. Yeah, I, you I got, got a, a lady staff? who's uh, uh, Diane. She's a retired Navy nurse, lieutenant commander. She's great. Oh, and she is really organized and on on the ball. Yeah, well, you need somebody who knows how to throw a party. Yeah, and then we got Steve on the grill. So anytime Steve's at the grill, you know, my dive buddy, good grilling going on. Yeah. So it's it's all coming together. We've got some good volunteers and PR. And <laughs> the newspaper is outrageous. We were looking at buying ad space for the newspaper, but uh, it's like four thousand bucks for two weeks. Oh my! Yeah, newspaper uh, spots are expensive. It's nuts! It's nuts. We uh, so our uh, yellow pages ads are. You know, ad, does anybody even use the yellow no, pages I, anymore? The yellow pages show up on my front step, and they go straight I, in the recycling. I bring it in, and then it sits on the table for like three months, and then I say, "Why do we even have this stupid thing?" And then it ends up out in the recycling bin or dumpster, or whatever the case may be. So then we have. Are we going to do round two of what religion is Obama? <laughs> <laughs> Well, since we're all bamboozled and cattywampus in our ordering of things, I don't know w- where we are exactly. I mean, I think well, we're on I thesis think that was twenty-two two episodes ago, well, and we are going to get to thesis twenty-two. We we had that ADD moment where we talked about everything but yeah. the proper distinction of the law and the gospel. Right, right. So but that last happens. episode Sometimes, was twenty-one. Now it's twenty-two. If we've been traveling. You know, doing fine dining, hanging out, uh, talking, reading, or doing something. So we're kind of pent up. So we have to kind of, 
we have to sort of talk it through. This is like what you and I do at most pastors' conferences, actually. Yeah, we miss all the sectionals and the lectures, and we sit, Everything, sit really. in the restaurant and or bar and... Um, and, and just talk and laugh about laugh and silliness. make mockery and and uh and then people join us and are offended i still <laughs> i was just about to go there i still love that one time where i was telling you you know it's it's the call of the of the feminist liberal yeah that the first reaction is i'm offended because most masculine guys don't think that way we just don't go there well, i mean that's, yeah, we're beyond being a i mean being offended right. it's just not well, what where does that get you right i mean so my my first response if someone's offensive is what an idiot <laughs> You know, if, it's not. I'm offended. It's that if he's really offensive, you deck him. You know, right? it's a, yeah. and then have beers. I, I'm not offended. You're just a goofball, right? You know, but uh, so I, I just said this to you, like not more than ten minutes earlier, and you had given this presentation on on worship and liturgy, and because from, from a positive viewpoint, for, I might yeah, add, I, I, I was intentionally non-critical of the other stuff, right? And because of some of the people that agreed with you were kind of loud and obnoxious about it. The guy came up and said, you you offended me. I do have a fan base. He was offended by my fan base. Right, right. At which point you and I just kind of looked at each other and started cracking up. (laughs) I just validated everything It's like like being at a picnic and they're offended at you because of the ants. It's like, gee, I didn't invite them. They just showed up. Yeah, didn't you know better? Shame (laughs) on you. That was a great moment, though, because because you you and I were just sitting there having a private conversation, and he joined in to be offended right right know, to, to and it, it didn't matter what we were talking about i mean we could have been talking about all sorts of you know deep heartfelt problems that we're having or something you offended me i'm offended yeah i was i was tempted to basically say you know excuse me but we're in the middle of private confession here and the brother was confessing that he was a flaming homosexual <laughs> I'm not flaming. <laughs> just to, it's like a Tom Mabe, you know. It'd be like a Tom Mabe episode. Oh, that would be just, like, that would have been yeah. rich. I, the trouble is, you know, I I cannot keep a straight face. What? That's why I can't pull practical jokes, and I can't tell jokes that are long because I start cracking up at, the, at my own punchline. It's really it's just bad. It's that bad was like when that. I was a little kid, I couldn't play hide and seek because I'd always have to go pee. Yeah. I get so excited, I'd be like, I have to go pee now. <laughs> I was a terrible hider. Is that is that where you, you you cultivated your habit of just peeing anywhere? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So hide and seek. Yeah. Do you ever play hide and seek where like you kept moving, you kept hide, you kept hiding in different <laughs> places? You know, they, as they get warmer, you know, you kind of slip out and hide that's, somewhere. That's more else. of elude and seek, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. I could disappear for days. You know, they, they had to send search parties out for me. <laughs> what just, were you doing? We're just, playing hide and seek. Just staying one step ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm pretty That's competitive all. about those things. Couldn't find me for three days. <laughs> Where is Bill anyway? Oh, <laughs> he's got his head in the toilet. <laughs> That's not the. That's bubbles. That's not that the scuba bubbles. sound. The scuba sound is there has to be a. And yeah, then, then they, uh, I don't know where they don't have is. a good. They don't have a good inhale on the scuba sound. Though. Not I, so much. I, I've noticed that, but they yeah. they do have a, They do have a good, a very good, um, very good uh, exhale bubbles. Where is that? <laughs> you know that call still haunts me. I have no idea what he says. <laughs> that, that call, that, I, that call still, still disturbs me. At the beginning, something, Bill, something, and then at the end, sitting in it. Oh, there's, there's the That's scuba, scuba sound. <laughs> <laughs> you always, always dive with your rubber ducky, I say. 
Okay. Hey, you want to talk about something of any real substance, or should we just play with our sound effects? Uh, well, you know, why don't we uh, discuss uh, Thesis 22? Yeah, we're going to close the door on that episode right there. <laughs> or should we talk about what religion is Obama? Have we figured this out yet? It's, uh, you know, that would be a worthy game to play. What religion? We, we need to uh, <laughs> you ever hear get Tim- a whole bunch of quotes of, of uh, our president saying various things that make you believe that he believes all sorts of you ever hear things. You ever hear uh, uh, Tim Conway Jr.? Yeah, what did Jesse, what did Jackson, Jesse say? Jackson say? <laughs> and they have these out-of-context snippets that you cannot figure out for the life of you what he's saying. Yeah, it's always like, snag, flabbing, nabbing. It's like, what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> so we could have a, what religion is Obama? Obama is all things to all people all the time, I, I think. That, that's, that's the key. The key to understanding, and he is a true man of the age. That he is neither he's neither Democrat nor Republican. He's neither liberal nor conservative. He's neither he's none of these things. You know, he's 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 all things. I believe nothing and yet everything. Um, though he is quite socialist. Yes, that 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 part's pretty clear. But uh, my goodness. So the 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 groundswell is that he's a he's he's Muslim. Now he is baptized. I, I, I guess you know we can debate about his baptism, but but he, he was he was baptized. Was it a Trinitarian baptism? I believe so. And oh. and so you know I mean we got to keep our theology straight here. If, if um, I had this somewhere, I can see if I can find Obama's religion. Well, he claims to be a Christian. That's right. That's right. He does. Um, but he he I, I, I just don't but know. But the kind of Christianity that he converted into had nothing to do with Christ, as best as I can tell. Oh, this just in. Unless Jesus is a Marxist, then maybe. Here's, here's something for your, your religion file. Is Cairo, a Saudi judge, has asked several hospitals in the country whether they could damage a man's spinal cord as punishment after he was convicted of attacking another man with a cleaver and paralyzing him, the brother of the victim said Thursday. Back in the early mid-80s, I was on uh, Channel 5 in Los Angeles at about 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning debating um, castration for recidivist rapists. Uh Uh-huh. And I was in favor back then. Well, so you'd be right there with the Saudi right. judge. Uh, yeah. this is that was chemical... back when I believed in Sharia Christianity law. <laughs> this is chemical chemical paralysis. Chemical paralysis. Yeah. Would the... that be permanent? Or... Yes. Oh, quite. Yes, very mm. much so. But so they, not they some wanna, sort of like spinal They want to chemi- right? chemically damage his spinal column so as to inflict the same injury as he inflicted on his victim with a cleaver. Well, why not just use a cleaver? Uh, I, I guess that would be considered both cruel and unusual. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Cleaver is not one of your. Yeah, but you may go too far with a cleaver. Injecting battery acid into his spine or something. Have you ever used? A, have you ever used a cleaver? I mean, yeah, that is a that is a that is not a precision tool. Well, did the guy being cleaved deserve it? Uh, did he have it coming? I don't believe so. I, I, I think I don't know what the, the conflict was over, but but let's see. Abdul Aziz Al Mutari, twenty two, was left paralyzed and subsequently lost a foot after a fight more than two years ago. He asked a judge in northwestern Tabuk, 
province to impose an equivalent punishment on his attacker under Islamic law. His brother Khalad al-Matari told the Associated Press by telephone from there. He said one of the hospitals located in Tabuk responded that it is possible to damage the spinal cord. <laughs> I mean, how do you even, you know, somebody calls you on the phone, you're a doctor. Uh, is it possible to intentionally damage the spinal cord? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> we do that. We, we do how that much? With baseball yeah, bat. Than, but it added that the, the operation could ha- would have to be done at another more, now get this, specialized facility. Hmm. They have a facility that specializes this, in damaging spinal cords? It's the Spine Injury Center, which is <laughs> in America to help you with a spine injury. Right. Uh, and for, over there it's to, to help inflict you one. get yeah, a spine to get injury. One, yes. a Saudi newspapers reported that a second hospital in the capital, Riyadh, declined saying it could not inflict such harm. So we seem to have an ethical conflict here. You know, this is that medicine always creates these ethical conflicts. Can you paralyze somebody or not can you or should you rule the uh, note to self uh try to avoid islamic doctors whenever possible i you know I mean, if this has to be debated i'm a little bit oh man yeah well you know all of this goes to and people will point out of course eye for eye tooth for tooth life for life the lex talionis the law of retribution which, which was, in its original context, intended to limit, limit, not, not provide kind of the, the you know, the, the table for retribution, but it was designed to limit, so you couldn't go beyond. So it's not so much he needed crippling, that kind of defense? No, it's that he crippled somebody, so he gets crippled. He paralyzed. I, you know, but I, I, think, I, I think, to be fair, it should be with a cleaver. I'm personally of the opinion that if somebody rapes and kills your daughter, uh, they should handcuff the guy, lock him in a room, and let you go in with a baseball bat. If you decide to be merciful, then <laughs> well, you know, he, he, he's uh, been received mercy. And if you don't, well, you know, there you have it. Now, of course, the, the, the atheists and anti-religionists among us will point out that this, too, is in the, the Christian Bible uh, in the Old Testament that uh, permits uh, equal retribution for injuries received. And then, of course, we will point out as Christians that Jesus overturns this entirely in the New Testament, the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And then they will point out that, oh, God seems to have changed his mind because if Jesus is God, and that's the same God as in the Old Testament, what gives? I've been round and round on this one. Yeah. You can tell. Mm-hmm. I'm just letting you go on this. I'm looking at music. I know. I noticed you, you're distracted. I got bad we, news we for you, We got in too. a big music thing when we... In between our recordings here, and now I'm I'm kind of you know, distracted. I, that that iced tea that I had at lunch is still hitting me kind of hard. <laughs> I I may have to get up from this table here at any nine minutes and fifty four seconds <laughs> left. <laughs> oh, that's that's. Let me long. get you a clothespin. That's long. <laughs> there may be some dead air at microphone two for a while here. No, no, there's a clothespin in that drawer right over there. We're we're set. <laughs> so um, Obama. Uh, is he or is he not a Muslim? There seems to be... Now, of course, it's, it, there are also people who aren't sure that he's American. Yeah, they're the birthers. The birthers, yes. And my point, my take on that is, if he is or if he isn't, the courts aren't going to do jack about it, so you may as well give up that one. That's a, that, that, that would appear to me to be a lost cause yeah. right there. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, I've got I've got Wikipedia, the source of all all knowledge. Ooh. Uh, says now here's the paragraph on Obama's personal life here from Wikipedia. Hmm. Uh, and it's actually got kind of an interesting second line, which is worth reading. But it says, Obama is a Christian whose religious views developed in his adult life. In The Audacity of Hope, I assume that's a book mm-hmm. that he ran. Yep. Uh, Obama writes that he was, quote, not raised in a religious household. He describes his mother raised by non-religious parents, whom Obama has specified elsewhere as non-practicing Methodists and Baptists. To be detached from religion, yet, quote, in many ways, the most spiritually awakened person I have ever known. So detached from religion, but the most spiritually awakened person I have ever known. What does that mean? That's, the, that's another variation on the theme, spiritual, though not religious. And we haven't talked about Anne Rice yet, who's given up on organized religion. Right. We need, probably need to discuss that at some point. Yeah, I, I just read a little something on that. I haven't read a whole lot on it. Anyway, back to Obama. He describes his father as, quote, raised a Muslim. Oh, see now, there, right there. Which makes him de facto Muslim. If his father was a Muslim, then he is a Muslim, isn't he? Well, and he attended a Muslim school when he was a kid in Indonesia, as I understand. Ah, but, quote, a confirmed atheist by the time his parents met. Ah. And his stepfather is a, quote, man who saw religion as not particularly useful. So he comes from this kind of uh, very, uh, see, he's a man of our time. Right there. Mm-hmm. A mother who is spiritual but not religious. A father who, is, uh, who grew up Muslim but became an atheist. And a stepfather who didn't see religion as particularly useful. Don't you love people who hate organized religion but who have never actually been to a church? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there are lots of things that you hate that you haven't done or experienced personally either, isn't there? I don't know. Huh? I I think I've tried pretty much everything. Well, I could name a few things, but uh, that would... <laughs> oh, that, yeah. yeah. There are some things. Okay, yeah. yeah. Good See, point. So, Good right. point. So, just saying. Um, Obama explained how through working with black churches as a community organizer while in his 20s... Operative word, black churches. He came to understand the power of the African-American religious tradition to spur social change. Not much about Jesus there. No, it's well, but that's that's the thing, though, is, is that this is the church as an, an instrument for community and social change. It's Not really much kinda, about Jesus there. No. He was baptized at the Trinity United Church of Christ in 1980. So he so he was baptized and it was in the Trinity. At least the Trinity in the, in the Trin- Trinity, Trinity United Church. Church of Christ. I would assume that a church named Trinity would maybe believe in the Trinity. We're thinking UCC, you never really know, but but if That's you're gonna true. name it Trim- Trinity, you know, you gotta step up at some point. We are named Trinity, but we deny its existence. I don't well they're they're okay. In nineteen eighty eight. And was an active member there for two decades. Now, we remember some of that from the campaign. Yes. Uh, Obama resigned from Trinity during the presidential campaign. Because? After controversial statements made by Reverend Jeremiah Wright. Who was his father in the faith. Right. After a prolonged effort to find a church to attend regularly in Washington, D.C., um, Obama announced in June 2009 that his primary place of worship would be the Evergreen Chapel at Camp David. Now, that's not in Washington, D.C., is No. It? Where's Camp David? Maryland somewhere? I think Maryland. So what it's saying here is that he has no place to regularly attend worship in Washington, D.C. He could just go to the National Cathedral. 
I mean, you know, I know it's Episcopal, but they got to have some darn good music. They have a great choir. I've, now, got, I've got an album from them that's just rocking. It's really good stuff. Isn't isn't that church like kind of in flux as to what it is, or is it always Episcopal? No, it's always Episcopal. I thought that it was a state-owned church that kind of went the way I, of no, I don't think whatever it, I don't the think president's it, into this. No, week. I don't believe. Oh, well, no. I hope not. I don't know. No, I, I don't think I don't think it has anything to do with the president. I think the Episcopal Church runs it, but it, it's not really an Episcopal church. Okay, you know what I'm saying. But it's got all the Episcopal. I mean, you go in it, and it is an Episcopal church. This is how an Episcopalian slash Anglican does church. You know, got the high altar, got the low altar, got the cathedral style thing. You know, got the lost in space stained glass, the whole deal. It's a, it's actually kind of, it's a very cool place. Have you ever been there? Uh, I've been by it. Very I've never cool. Been in it. Very, very cool place. Yeah. Um, uh, Camp David, uh, officially known as Naval Support Facility Thurmont, is oh, in Thurmont. Uh, in Frederick County, Maryland. Maryland, I win! Yay! This is interesting. I I never knew why it was named pa- Camp David. Uh, named it after was King built David as a presidential retreat by Franklin D. Roosevelt, as was a lot of junk that we have. <laughs> New Deal, baby. Renamed Shangri La. Shangri La, no Camp less. David received its present present name from Dwight D. Eisenhower. I thought so. In honor of his grandson David. There, I thought so. I thought it was Eisenhower. Ike. Isn't that kind of the common presidential retreat? Yes. Yes. So there you have it. Obama tried to quit smoking, it says, several times over the years and has used nicotine replacement therapy. (laughs) It's like, you know, I'm lacking nicotine, so I need to get some nicotine. Right. However, now get this. This is a great line. In June 2010, during a congratulatory phone call to President-elect Benigno Aquino of the Philippines, Obama told Aquino that he had quit and would offer advice on how to stop smoking when Aquino himself was ready to take that step. Wow. So, uh, you know, that's kind of an interesting sort of end line to Obama's religious life. In fact, that is the end of the Wikipedia article on Obama, Hmm. is his triumph over nicotine addiction. Thanks be to to the patch. (laughs) Nicotine replacement therapy. Religion. You know, it's kind of strange because normally replacement therapy replaces something that's supposed to be there in a certain quantity but isn't. Okay. But nicotine replacement therapy puts something there that isn't supposed to be there that's the cause of your whole trouble anyway. So I suppose by analogy we could do like heroin replacement therapy, which I guess is methadone, but but uh, but why not go for the real stuff? THC I... replacement therapy. Well, there you go. I.e. medical marijuana. <laughs> That's new name for medical marijuana, THC replacement therapy. I'm, I'm looking at a picture. I'm thinking, of, I'm, I'm thinking of an Irish pub as being sort of ethanol replacement therapy. <laughs> I'm running low on ethanol in my bloodstream. Let me get some Irish whiskey. It's well, ethanol replacement that's therapy. That's what the alcoholic thinks right there. So, so hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the chapel this. at Camp David. It looks a lot kind of like my church in Rhode Island. The Evergreen Evergreen Chapel yes, at Camp David? It's, it's all wood paneled and everything. Oh, I like and, wood paneled. And uh, a nice little pipe organ. Nice. And a little altar. And to the left is an American flag. And to the right is the little Christian flag. The Methodist the Sunday white, School flag. Yeah, the white yeah. blue with the red cross. Are, are there actually services there? 
That's that's really that's the question that I have. I mean, it's usually chapels are are there on grounds for occasional services. Camp David uh, activities. Presidential retreat offers tennis, bowling, putt putt golf <laughs> at the chapel. Basketball, fly fishing, swimming, archery, skeet shooting, oh, and yeah. hiking. You know, I'm booking in for vacation there. There's also a one hole golf course available with three tees. One hole, <laughs> nice. You know, on a course like that, I could probably shoot somewhere in the 80s. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's one hole par five. <laughs> Does it say anything about any regular services? Secret tunnel tour. You can take the secret tunnel no, tour. No, no, no. I was services camp at David. the Evergreen Chapel. Oh, they've got a picture of Obama standing in front of the Camp David sign, and it looks Photoshopped, which well, is really weird. That, that wouldn't surprise me in the least. But, but I'm, I, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Hmm. Available cabins, landscape. 120-acre I'm, I'm thinking of calling, though. Can, can, we have a, uh, can we have a retreat there? Maybe a pastor's retreat or something? Well, apparently the Evergreen Chapel uh, phone isn't working here. I, I don't know what the problem Camp is. Camp David souvenirs. You can get a Camp David Frisbee, a Camp David football, a Camp David coffee mug, or... It's like the swag store. Or the Camp David... Presidential retrieval thong ashtray. Oh, <laughs> wait, <laughs> hold it. I, I thought nicotine replacement therapy did the trick. They ashtray. Ashtray? No. Well, you can actually rent a cabin at wait, Camp David. What kind for of liberals are these? <laughs> I don't know. Ashtrays. Um, you, can, you can actually I'm ca- rent. I'm, I'm calling them up. You wait, can wait, rent wait, a cabin wait. there for 1200 bucks a week. Oh, man, they're busy. Anyway, we've been talking about the elephant in the room. And What religion is Obama? Unfortunately. We should have a contest, maybe a quiz, a poll, something. I don't know. I think it's about our time. I think, he's, I think he is a... It's, it's our time? <laughs> what, what are we doing now? <laughs> Actually, I jumped the gun on that. We've got... Uh, no, we're overtime. Yeah, we're overtime. Oh, well, we'll shorten it up on the backside. <laughs> You've been listening to the God Whispers. We'll be back. Say now, you say ah, 
Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. Thank you. (laughs) Live. (laughs) Yes. It's a charm. It's a delight to be with you all. A little OAR there. (laughs) Gotta love that. (laughs) Yes. This This is actually Swirla's pick. It's one of the best. One of the best live songs I know. All all the other weird junk that you hear is usually my doing. But this is actually pretty cool. It is one of the best live performances. Not bad for a child of the 70s. (laughs) I'm catching up. Anyway, we are the God Whispers, and uh, we may actually get to some point. Today. You know, reggae, reggae is a, it, you cannot be sad and listen to reggae. It's, Hawaiian music does that to me also. Yeah, yeah but stuff re- like reggae, brother is reggae like just that. has party written all it over does. it, doesn't it? It also has pot written all over it. <laughs> hey, tune that up again. I love the I love the crowd singing in this. <laughs> the lyrics make no sense. <laughs> Here we go. Very nice. I, I wonder if they, they got a discount for singing on the album or something. <laughs> that, is, that is very cool. No, no, you have the honor of singing on our yeah, album. Yeah, you, you can say you were there. <laughs> All right. We're going to say goodbye to them. CFW Walther's proper distinction of law he's, and gospel. He's he's spinning in his grave right now. Thesis <laughs> number twenty twenty two. It's, it's taken it us it's taken us two episodes at least to get there. X X I I. There we go. And uh, hmm, what to say? All right. Well, hey, it's been good talking to you. We'll see you next time. Uh, you are not rightly. <laughs> And, and I'm talking to you now, Craig, so listen here. You, I, you, you yes. are not rightly distinguishing law and gospel in the Word of God. If a false distinction is made between a person's being awakened and being converted, moreover, when a person's inability to believe is mistaken for not being permitted to believe... I, I don't even... What would it mean to be not permitted to believe... Well, I think I think this thesis needs to be heard against the background of 19th century pietism, mm. which you know in in Germany, uh, they, they Germany and Germany. Ah, I'm starting to get it because in Germany everything is verboten. <laughs> well, so you, yes, you, you are forbidden yeah, to believe. Well, that's right, <laughs> and you will put the lid down on the toilet. <laughs> But, uh, you know, the, the German pietism of the 19th century, is, is, there's a lot of parallelism to the American Great Awakenings and, and, and that sort of stuff. It's, it's amazing how you have these parallel movements all over the place. And, and so um, this, is, this is the German version of what America experienced in, in the, the revival preachers, the tent revival preachers, and, and that, who are the forerunners of American evan- evangelicalism. Right. Too. And you know, embedded in this is is all manner of uh, not so much decision here as it is uh, you have to be good and contrite before you're permitted to believe. Uh, to the point where I'm not even going to tell you a syllable of gospel until I see visible evidence that that you have been terrorized by the law. 
I have a little bit of background on this. Let, let me read this to you. Uh, they, being the pietist, uh, made a false distinction between spiritual awakening and conversion, for they declared that as regards the way of obtaining salvation, all men must be divided into three classes. One, those still unconverted. Two, those who have been awakened but are not yet converted. And three, those who have been converted. Uh, we talked about this before. And, and the only ones who are the real Christians are the uh, category three. Right, the ones so, who have truly been converted. So it's kind of like you have, you have uh, somebody who's, say, asleep. You have one, the sound asleep, two, the just kind of waking up but not really there, and three, the fully awake. Right. So how this plays out in my life and in my past is that we had three categories also. The unbeliever... Okay, that's your category one. Right. The carnal Christian. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Right? That's, that's the, the awakened Christian. but not converted. Right. They're not really there, but they, they're kind of there, but they have an inkling, but they're not walking the walk and talking right. the talk. You aren't walking with the Lord. Yes. That's, that's, I always, when I hear that kind of talk, is so-and-so walking with the Lord today? Uh, I, I just chafe at that because I don't know how to answer something like that. Is the Lord carrying him? Might be a better question. Uh, but so anyway, you ended up with these three categories, the unbeliever, the carnal Christian, and the true Christian. So they, they deny the idea that we are at the same time sinner and saint, simul justus at peccator. And uh, as a Lutheran, when I became a Lutheran, that was a doctrine that set me free. That was a teaching that really liberated me, understanding that I'm a saint and a sinner at the same time. I'm not either a saint or a sinner. Or one on the way to becoming the other. Right. Or, so, yeah. or yeah, like Wesley preached that you must obtain utter perfection here on earth. And he said that he did so. <laughs> and then somebody asked him, well, do you no longer sin? He said, no, no, I just make errors in judgment. Oh, which is okay. I guess not sinning, just. Well, I mean, you, you can't you can't <laughs> preach that if you don't believe you've attained it yourself. Um, I mean, you, you can, you, but then you're just another charlatan on yeah, right. TBN. Yeah, then somebody's got to say, "Well, what about you, dude?" And uh, so th- that's when that's when the conversation gets interesting. Yeah, then, then it's what's that over there? You know, you kind of do the <laughs> diversion tactic. And... Yeah, so this is still alive and well. This is this has not gone the way of the dodo bird here. This is uh, something that's still out there, and uh, I hear it on a regular basis. You know, is so and so walking with the Lord? And uh, there was even a teaching when I was a kid that in the rapture, the carnal Christians will be left behind, which always scared the crud out of me because I knew I was a sinner. So the category two Christians are left behind right. until they become category three. Right. And so then there's always an altar call, not only for the unbelievers, but also for those who need to ah. rededicate their lives to Christ because they obviously haven't been doing it right in the past. Now, And so and backsliders then would be category carnal three Christians. who've slipped back into category two. Right. They, they are carnal Christians. They were, they were once converted, but now they're just in the awakened category. And then, you know where you see this language uh, used, if you want to get to get kind of a grasp on that, I believe it's the second novella of the, the three novellas that 
comprise the hammer of God, by yes. Bo Yurtz. Right. But but he he captures that language of Pietism in one of the three. And you know the big question that the Pietist vicar has is whether his supervising pastor is truly <laughs> converted. You see, he recognizes that he may be awakened. That is, he has an interest in spiritual matters and is able to uh, you know preach and 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 interpret the Bible. But he himself is not personally converted. Right. Now, and that's the one where they're sitting around and he, the older pastor asks the younger, how do you know that you're a Christian? And the younger one says, I gave my heart to Jesus. And the older one just kind of goes apoplectic at that and says, you know, why would you yeah. give him something a, so filthy? What a gift you? for a king. Yeah. You know? It's like, what did he do to you? Yeah. <laughs> and and that's, the, that's the clincher. How do you know you're a category three Christian that is fully converted? Um, that is, you have had a conversion experience. You know, that is, you've experienced something that has has you know, altered and changed your life in such a way. Or, you know, in, in modern terms, that you have given yourself, your life, your heart, however you want to voice it, to to the Lord. Yeah, I live for the Lord now. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, so you don't live for yourself anymore? Is that what you... You know, and then you, you go to First John 1, you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And it goes on in verse 10 to say, if you say you have no sin, you call God a liar. See, so you need to grapple with that one, folks, if you're... Well, Walter, also... Walter points out that in the scriptures, there are only two classes of... of there are only two groups or two ways of speaking, faith and unbelief. There's yep. either converted or unconverted. Right. There's no kind of middle ground. And I think that's kind of the point is, is you are dead or you are alive. You're not kind of sort of dead. Right. Nor are you kind of alive. We, we need that clip from the Princess Bride. He's mostly dead. <laughs> He's mostly dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is no. It's a little bit like being a little bit pregnant. You're either pregnant right. or you're not pregnant. <laughs> um, and so one is either. I mean, that faith. That faith may be weak. It may be imperceptible. It may be all kinds of things. You know, but but it's either faith or unbelief. And there's no middle. There's no middle place. And that's that's the problem with the category two, awakened but not converted or carnal, is that it creates this kind of uh, middle place where you're neither fish nor fowl. You're neither believer nor unbeliever. Now, this seems to come into play also with Calvinism, where they have their ordo salutis, where there's knowledge, assent, and trust. And that's kind of how you're saved is in that order. And actually, I think they've got like seven different, but that's basically what it boils down to. And then you ask them about the sacraments like baptism, and they will say, well, it brings you into the community of the church. And some will say that if you are of the elect, it does confer, it it is a means of grace. It does confer grace Mm -hmm. uh, if you are of the elect. Otherwise, you are one of those people who are part of the church, but not part of the church. You are simply a member of the local congregation, but not the congregation triumphant. I yeah, you or the, the, you're a member of the visible church, but not the invisible right. church. Or in Augustine's terms, and Augustine is really one who kind of started this mystery. Yeah, I know. Where he looks at the church in terms of, um, it's like a donut. It, it's it's two, two, um, two circles, one contained in the other. So there is what he calls the church of the called. And these are all people who have heard the gospel and have responded to it in some way. They're the ones who show up 
if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in uh, in other terms, it might be those, those are the ones who you know they show up on Sunday. They're they're visibly members of the visible church. Um, and then within that church of the called is the church of the elect, mm-hmm. says Augustine. Right. And those are the those are the real believers. Those are the true blue Christians. And uh, and and so again, see in Augustine's terminology, you have three kinds of people. You have the ones outside of the church, uh, neither called nor elect. You have the members of the visible church. That'd be your category two. They're the they're the called. They go by the name Christian. But they're not necessarily believers, right? And then within that group, you have the members of the true invisible church that that Augustine would would see. And Augustine is is Platonic, and so you you kind of expect this sort of Platonic construct from him. Unfortunately, a lot of people have picked up on that and and then have made that kind of part of the dogma of the church right. too, right? So, but so you're 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 only true Christians. The ones who are truly in are the category three. Uh, in Augustine's terms, the elect. So let me play devil's advocate or Calvin advocate, <laughs> however the case may be. Um, in this, and so are you saying that you do not have baptized individuals in the church that are unbelievers? Say that again. You, are you, you saying you that do? you don't have baptized individuals in the church that are unbelievers? Augustine would say that the baptized are are all part of the the church of the called, the visible church. Okay. Okay, but they are not necessarily part of the church of the elect. This is Augustine. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying this is. How so it this is, is but... this is where you get all the confusion going on between. Uh, efficacious and uh-huh. and uh, well, you have valid and valid and effective. That's, that's the other word that so I'm you can for. be validly baptized, though that baptism was not effective because it did not bring you it, and it's effective only in the elect. Now that's the Augustinian Calvinist view. Yeah, you know Calvin is very Augustinian. Yes, he is. Uh, with respect, I've argued with respect to the the church and also with respect to the sacraments. This idea of the sacraments being signs of higher things signified, right? Or outward signs of interior things signified, you know that that kind of thing. This this signum res signata right. business. That's Augustine's little personal theory on the sacraments. Now, I've argued with my Calvinist friends who say, "Well, Calvin was just going to where Luther was heading if if he would have lived another fifty years well, or whatever." And I say, "No, no, maybe. no, Calvin. I went, don't know. <laughs> Calvin, that's, or at least the Calvinists. The Calvinists returned to where Luther came from, Augustinianism." Uh, they didn't go beyond Luther. They went back to his roots. Well, it, it's irrelevant. Uh, it, it's even irrelevant where Luther would have no, gone. No, I'm backing on Calvinists right now. It's relevant. <laughs> no, I, I am too. I'm just saying their <laughs> argument is irrelevant. Uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not that Calvinism is a new and improved form of Luther. Yeah, uh, some of them may like to make that point. It's, it's just that, uh, you know, in fact, Luther makes decisive breaks with his Augustinianism as yes. well. Yes, he does. Uh, although, you know, I mean, scholars are going to debate what all the influences of Luther there are. I, I think that one has to kind of look at, at Luther's writings as a whole and, and see how, how the, the gospel, um, especially the external gospel, is, is a consistent theme throughout throughout luther um and so these distinctions of the the called and the elect are irrelevant because no one can know that you know and so we we talk about christians as simply being baptized believers and and in fact that's a good shorthand for what a christian is it's it's one who believes and is baptized 
faith, and the gift. Uh, however, pietists object that a person who has not experienced a genuine, thorough contrition in his, in his heart is not yet converted, but merely awakened by, by, by through contrition, uh, they mean a contrition like that of David, who spent a whole night, cry, or who spent whole nights crying, and weeping in his bed, and walked almost bowed down with grief for days. I'm sorry, my eyes are really going on me here. Uh, so what they're saying here is that unless you are really, really, really good and sorry, and you cry over your sin, and you and you uh, mourn your sin, and you you know you flog yourself like Luther did, and all the rest, uh, you really aren't a Christian. Yeah, and, and Walther knows this from firsthand experience at the University of Erlangen, where he was part of a Bible study group that was taken over by some guy who was just one of these pietists. Right. And he basically had all these young students convinced that they were not true Christians, that they were simply awakened but not yet fully converted. And until they had such an experience, you know, in, a, in the American context, this was the anxious bench, the yeah, mourner's right, bench, right. Where, where you basically lamented over your sins until you were good and sorry and exhibited that sorrow, then you weren't in a position to believe. And that's what he means by, you know, I, I don't believe because I'm not ready to believe or because it's not been granted me to believe because I'm not contrite enough yet. See, but I would contend that in Christian maturity, you grow more and more aware of your sin as you grow more and more in Christ. <laughs> exactly. And you become more sorrowful for your sin as you become more mature as a Christian. See, I would maintain that nobody but a believer could write Romans 7. Right. You know, that, yeah. that, that in, it, basically to, to look at the law in that way is, 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 can be seen only when one believes that one is justified for Christ's sake. You know, because before that, you're just going to kind of wiggle out of it. No, you're you're going to look for loopholes no matter yeah, what. Yeah, in, in that Paul is despairing of himself completely. He's, there's nothing good in me. There's, there's absolute, I give up. You know, it's basically, it's not even me who's sinning anymore. It's sin that dwells within me. Yeah. I, I am so helpless in this matter. I can't even help myself. You know, lurking behind this too, and you'll, I think you'll appreciate this from your, your own experience. I didn't grow up with this. But this idea that somebody's personal experience becomes the normative experience oh, for everybody. Oh, jeez, yes. Yeah, you know? And so, so, yeah, I will grant you that somebody who's, like, plucked from the gutter as a drunk, um, you know, recognizes Christ as Savior, hears the gospel for the first time in his life, and recognize that his sins are redeemed by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. This is going to have, like, a, a, a tremendous impact in his life, I would imagine. And, but not everybody shares that experience. No. And the thing is, it's like, though the gift is the same, Christ and his death and resurrection to save us, the impact of that gift is quite individual and quite personal. And you can't judge. Somebody may have a completely emotionless response to that. Yeah. You know, I tend not to be terribly emotional about things of faith. To me, they're, they're things to think about. I, that's how I am about everything. Yeah. You know, I'm just not emotionally wired. I hate uh, being having my emotions manipulated. You know, I don't mind if I know it's coming, but I, you know, I hate these emotional services that that deliberately push on my buttons and stuff like that because I know that's that's not there's nothing real there. It's just feelings. Well, and the thing is, it's also subjective. It's hard to argue against or for or anything it's purely I mean, it's, subjective it's just you know and then when i was growing up in these churches 
it was always the young guy who would step up and say, oh, I was strung out on LSD and heroin and I had a needle broken off in my arm, and, uh, you know, and I was a male prostitute and I was this. And, and then I invited you, Jesus you were, into my you were heart. You a male prostitute? No, I'm quoting other oh, weirdos. That's right. I wasn't listening carefully. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Oh, and, uh, you know, and because I invited Jesus into my heart, then at that point, I no longer struggled any addiction or any desire or any sin or, you know, it's like they've become the totally enlightened Buddhist with the absence of any want. And now I'm qualified to be a pastor because I was a complete and utter dirtbag. Well, my, 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 you know, all of that aside, and I grant that that's what's going on. You, you're, you're, it's your testimony that qualifies yes. you. But here's the thing. As you pointed out, it's all subjective. And if it's subjective, I can't argue with it. Right. I can only say... Praise the Lord. You know, I mean, that's wonderful. I feel, I feel great for you. I also can't relate to it. No. In other words, it means nothing to me. Uh, this is why I don't understand why somebody's personal testimonial is all about me. If I'm yes. testifying to something, I'm supposed to be testifying to something outside of me. Yes. So, yes. You know, it's like what I say in testimony ought to be as true for you as it is for me. Well, that's been my response in recent years is, well, you're telling me a lot about yourself, but I'm not hearing anything about Jesus here. Well, it, And so am I saved by you or am I saved by Jesus? If I'm saved by Jesus, tell me about him. Yeah, right. And, and what is universally true of all of us about Jesus. And that's really the key. Yeah. I, I don't doubt that, that God deals with us individually. Individually, you know, when, when parents raise a bunch of kids, they don't treat each child the same. Right. In fact, that's not love. If you treat every child the same, then you're not loving any of them. That, that love for your child is shaped by the personality and the needs and the desires of each child. That's just good parenting. I'm sure you could love them all equally, but in different ways. You know, there, there are right? 16 Myers-Briggs categories of personalities. And I have to think that, and I'm just using that as an example, I have to think that the experience of salvation in Christ, the experience of being justified for Jesus' sake, is different for each of those 16 personality types. Yes. But the fact of that salvation is exactly the same. Yes. You know, baptism is the same. The body and the blood are the same. The, the you know, the word of justification that, that declares the sinner righteous before God, that's the same regardless of whether you're a feeler or a thinker, whether you're intuitive or not. You know, and, and that's the big mistake that I see. And also an observation I would make is that a lot of revival Christianity, I swear, appeals to the NF type personality. Yes, all the, the feelers. feelers. The feelers. You know, and they come as male and female, although we kind of identify those traits as feminine. The, you know, there's no real distinction here of gender with, with respect to those personalities. We just kind of think of those traits as feminine. But I think that explains the kind of feminized Christianity that we're getting. It's actually emotive. And it's appeal because what do people, when people don't get it at your church, what's the, what's the big complaint? I didn't feel the presence yes. of God, yeah. you know, or it didn't feel like church to me. Well, and that goes back to a debate that was going on in the days of Luther is, is it better to know the truth or is it better to know love? And, and so the Catholics were arguing that truth comes through love and the Lutherans and others were arguing that love comes through truth. Knowing that Christ died for your sins is the greatest expression of love and the greatest knowledge of love. But feeling, uh, you know, that Jesus was a nice guy or something isn't going to necessarily lead you through the cross and the grave. 
So knowledge of what God has done for you expresses the love of God. But just this whole emotive way of doing things and not going back and dwelling on the grace and mercy of Christ, well, that's not going to get you a whole lot. Yeah, I think we have to be careful here that, you know, our thinking is no more or less sanctified than our feeling. Uh, but it's a question of, of what, what realm we're dealing with. Uh, feelings are responses to um, external stimuli, whatever they are. They may be true or false. You know, I, I, can, I can feel a certain way toward a falsehood that would be an identical feeling toward truth. It all depends how it strikes me. Um, and that's why, that's why uh, you know, head and heart or, or facts and feelings have to go together. Our feelings are our individual, unique responses to things. And see here, this is what I think is so cool about Lutheranism, is that there's enough, there is room on the one hand for the German Stoic, <laughs> who is unmoved by anything, you know, whether his sin or his salvation, and we don't judge him on that. Um, and, and it ought to have just as much room for the person who, you know, is constantly gushing tears, whether of sorrow or joy. The emotional Italian is what you're saying. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Fine. <laughs> Whatever. The, the problem is, I think, that in, in a, culturally, a lot of people have just kind of... Or, uh, cultural Lutheranism has kind of adopted Stoicism as, as the way to go. And that's really unfortunate. Because I, I don't think I think that's a distortion too. You feel however you feel. Yeah, I've had people who say they, they can't come to church because they're afraid they're going to cry because they're in some emotional upheaval. They're grieving a death or blah blah blah. And it's like good grief! I mean, can't we can't we just come to church and have whatever emotion we have? Yeah. Just, so one just person, don't stand in the front and flail yourself on the ground, right? <laughs> or the ushers will come and and you know at least kind of take you out. But 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 uh, but yeah. It, but it's your thing. But your thing is not my thing. And, right. and that's that, that's the thing. We're all united around things objective, like let us pray, like this is the word of the Lord, like you yes. know the body and the blood, and those are true no matter how I feel about them. Uh, there are a lot of times where we all feel forsaken by God, where we all feel like He's turned His back on us, and those are the times that we can return to the objective word of God. And read and know that the Word of God tells us, I have not forsaken you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm not leaving you. Even if it doesn't feel that way. Even (laughs) especially when it doesn't feel that way. Yes, that's right. Right? (laughs) And, And so my feelings and my faith, oftentimes my feelings work against my faith. Yeah, I believe that's so. And and their faith has to trump feelings. The word of God yeah. has to trump our feelings and say, never mind how you feel, thus says the Lord. Yeah. yeah. I, I took some Zyrtec uh, allergy medicine once, and I thought, man, I'm really depressed. Yeah. And then I realized I'm just tired. So, <laughs> uh-oh. Oh, there speaking of depressed. <laughs> yes. Well, nope. actually, if you are depressed, this is a great antidote toward depression. We'll see you next time on The God Whispers. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you.